Prove it to me. Prove it to me. You ever heard that? Prove it to me. A lot of skeptics think they have disproved Christianity because they feel insufficient proof exists to believe it. Prove it to me. Miracles can't happen because they are impossible. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I've said it here before, but duh! <laughs> of course they're impossible. Miracle. An effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. Of course it's impossible. That's the whole point. The question, you see, is whether there is another dimension. A supernatural dimension. Is there something beyond the space-matter-time continuum? Is there something beyond what we know, what we can measure? The biblical claim is, yes. <laughs> there is a spiritual realm that exists independently of this universe. Or any universe if that is physical in nature, should you be a multiverse fan, that realm has always been inhabited by one being, God, who fills it in its entirety. He, being eternally existent in three persons, created other beings to inhabit this dimension, this spiritual dimension. These were all what we call angels, sometimes called morning stars or sons of God in the Bible. Some rebelled against their creator and are now angels of darkness, or often called demons. Sometimes that which is impossible in this physical realm takes place here because someone from that other dimension interferes with the normal operation of this dimension. A miracle occurs. A sign that someone from the spiritual realm is here. In America, for the better part of two centuries, there have been a large number of people who wish to deny the existence of a spiritual realm. So when we talk with them, our task involves proving the existence of the spiritual. Some, however, have no problem believing in a spiritual realm, but they deny the truth of one creator God eternally existent in three persons. And they certainly deny that one of those persons added a human nature to his person, that he became the man, Jesus, who lived his life out in a tiny country, in the Middle East, dying on a Roman cross. These viewpoints are not limited to citizens of the U.S. of A., in case you were unsure. Nor are they a new phenomenon. In what is called the Western world, the predominant non-Christian viewpoint is that of the naturalistic skeptic. Those who believe that all there is is the natural, the physical universe. In the rest of the world, the predominant viewpoint 
involves spirituality, but in a plethora of ways, all of which deny a single creator God. So any number of beings in those systems could be credited with a miraculous act. The main opposition that Jesus faced was like that the rest of the world lives under now. But there were many who were like our naturalistic skeptics. There was a certain tax collector who became a disciple of Jesus. I'd like us to get a bird's eye view of his record of the life of Jesus, particularly focusing on the miracles that were part and parcel with it and the reaction of those who experienced those miracles. We start at Jesus' birth. Mary and Joseph's claim of her virginity was talked about all around the area, as was the shepherds' visions of angels. Then there was that visit of the Magi. All Jerusalem was moved by it, talked about it. How could they have known that a king was being born? Where did they come from? How come they came so far? There was that flash of brilliance known as John the Baptist. His preaching about and proclamation concerning Jesus could not have been missed. There's no way they missed it. It was the talk of everyone. At Jesus' baptism, which John executed, a voice that filled the heavens and clearly came from that spiritual realm we call heaven was witnessed by a great number of people. Now, obviously, not all that Jesus did involved the miraculous, but even his teaching and preaching astonished the crowds and everyone heard about it. Everybody was talking about it. Still, Jesus did go throughout the region of Galilee and he healed every disease and every affliction, Matthew says. He healed the leper with the touch of his hand. The centurion's servant was healed with just a word. At Peter's house, his mother-in-law and many others were healed. All these were very public miracles that Matthew records. Anyone who wanted to could find people talking about them and talking to them about it. They could find out all they wanted to know. They, there were people who'd witnessed these miracles. You could go find them and talk to them. Jesus also rebuked the winds and the sea and calmed the storm. Pretty cool, but in fairness to his opponents, uh, they couldn't have known about it. They, they wouldn't have known that one. There were those demon-possessed men, though, at the tombs of the Gadarenes, Pretty well known. A paralytic brought on a stretcher was healed in the midst of a significant crowd. Couldn't miss it. A Jewish ruler's daughter was raised from the dead. Not like one can hide that sort of thing. A woman sick for years in the heart of a throng was healed. All miracles anyone could check on. Blind men by Jericho cried out over the crowd and were healed. Crowds saw a mute man speak. In the very synagogue where his opponents held court, a man with a withered hand 
stretched it out to perfect health at Jesus' command. People were amazed as they witnessed a man blind and mute speak and see. After all this, and remember this is all very public, what do you think those who oppose Jesus will say? Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. (laughs) Uh, But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. With all that happened, proving Jesus was greater than the most renowned in Israel's history, some of his opponents said, Hey! Prove it! (laughs) And Jesus said, There's one sign you will get. And then he went on and fed 5,000 with four loaves of bread and two fish, after spending the day healing all their sick, by the way. 5,000 men plus all the women and children with them witnessed this. 5,000 men, all the women and children were witnesses. You think maybe his detractors heard about it? Maybe? In Genesaret, untold numbers were healed. Couldn't even count them. Even a foreigner, a Canaanite woman, saw her daughter healed. Along with all the people around them, they saw it too. Which led to many blind, crippled, mute, and others coming to Jesus to be healed. And then, while all 4,000 men plus, the women and children were there, he fed them with seven loaves and a few small fish. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. (laughs) What does it take? He answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. Is it any wonder that Jesus is getting a little short with them? (laughs) How thick are these guys? With all they've heard, with all they've seen, thousands and thousands of witnesses, and they still say, prove it to me. There are two responses 
in Jesus' teaching, to Jesus' teaching, and to his signs. Sprinkled among the events of Jesus' ministry, as Matthew surveyed it, are samples of these responses. We may, we may find some help in looking at a few. Of those things we mentioned, the first Matthew commented on was the response to Jesus' teaching. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Matthew notes that the people get it. <laughs> they may not believe yet, but they know there's something special about Jesus. And that just from his teaching. Remember the demon-possessed men that we mentioned? Luke gives us the response of one of those. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. First was, Let me be with you. <laughs> Can you blame him? I, how could we blame him? I, I would like to be with Jesus. Now would be fine. I, yeah. But Jesus said, Now. You got a job to do. Go home. Tell him. And he did it. Throughout the whole city. <laughs> you know, not just his home, like Jesus says. He, he went above and beyond the call of duty. And, you know, that's, that's a response. Remember the paralytic that Jesus healed, the one they brought in on a stretcher? When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. Glorified God. Don't forget that one. But a little afraid at this amazing supernatural power that they saw. The mute man was healed and the crowds marveled saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the prince of demons. <laughs> yeah, well, how long could it last? You know, <laughs> you knew it was coming. They could pretend nothing was happening for only just so long. Then they had to deal with it. To believe or not to believe, that is the question. In their case, these guys were spiritualists. They believed in a spiritual dimension. But God had to be a long way away. They didn't see Jesus as a great teacher. They understood perfectly Jesus' words. They knew. They knew what he claimed to be, the Son of God. C.S. Lewis takes to task those people who like to say, oh, Jesus was really a nice guy, a great teacher, maybe even a miracle worker, but he was just a man. <laughs> Jesus left us no such choice. Read his words. Jesus is either a madman on a level with Hitler or a liar on a level with demons or he is who he claimed to be. God himself in human form. 
That's what these signs are all about. Remember when Jesus healed the man in their own synagogue? You know who they like to be? The man with the withered hand? The man was healed and probably praising Jesus. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him. How to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. And many followed him. And he healed them all. They had the Son of God right in their synagogue, in their own synagogue. And they lost him. And remember, in a sense, they're right. Jesus is a lunatic, a liar, or Lord of all creation. They judged poorly, got the wrong answer, and they didn't believe. But those who followed Jesus, did you catch that? They were healed. <laughs> Disbelief comes at a high price. That man who was both blind and mute when Jesus healed him, everybody saw it, and all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? That's Jewish for Messiah. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. That's how he does it. It's kind of their theme song, right? There is a spirit world, sure, but this guy's on the wrong side of it. Don't the beratings of Jesus kind of sound reasonable when you consider the depths to which these guys are willing to sink? That foreign woman, the Canaanite, whose daughter was healed, she begged Jesus for help. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. What a moment. And her daughter was healed. She believed it before the girl was healed. Guess that? She didn't need the sign to believe. She just needed Jesus. Yeah, we might could learn from that lowly foreigner. That healing led to such a plethora of healings so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled, healthy, the lame, walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. They glorified God. Why did Jesus do miracles? Why did he say there was only one sign that he would give for those unbelieving Jewish teachers? It's all about the glory of God. Well, He is God. It only makes sense that He and He alone should receive glory from His creatures. We've looked at quite a bit out of Matthew's history of Jesus' life and how people understood the signs and either believed who Jesus claimed to be or rejected His message. John records a few reactions that it might be good for us to consider. First, not all the Pharisees and rulers got it wrong. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nick at night. Why nighttime? Well, to hide. <laughs> 
He was afraid of what the other guys would say. But he did get it. And when push came to shove, you know, it got really tough when Jesus was crucified, when he died. Joseph of Arimathea prepared his body for burial, but he was not alone. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. Nicodemus understood and he believed. He saw the signs. He heard the teaching. He knew that Jesus was who he said he was. But there's a, another thought. We don't often consider it when it comes to miracles, these signs. What about those people who were recipients of Jesus' miraculous work? In particular, what happens if you are, uh, are, say, in a grave for four days and Jesus calls you out? When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. <laughs> because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Whoa. They want to kill him. You know, I hadn't thought that one out. <laughs> Can I get raised from the dead? Oh, they're going to kill you afterwards. Oh. Okay, why am I doing this raising from the dead thing again? I'll try to get, I'm just going to get killed? What? Being a friend of Jesus means having the same enemies as Jesus. <laughs> and they might not take it lying down. You mean because Jesus changed my life? Some people who don't want their lives changed might hate me? Yeah. That's what John is saying. But let's worry about those who believe. What is the proper purpose of the signs? What should be our response? John gives us the answer at both ends of Jesus' ministry. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Remember that we said miracles were all about the glory of God. Jesus is God in human form. And that miracle, in the hearts of his disciples, led them to belief. That's why it's there. And we, you and I, are not left behind in this thought. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. Do you believe? Do you want to believe? Read the records of four different men Read the letters that come from those who knew him. There were even signs to show that they were spiritually chosen for their task. The Apostle Paul wrote of himself, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. He, with the others, 
were specially equipped to write the record of Jesus' teachings. And signs were given to show this truth. Signs have a purpose. But we should listen to Jesus' instructions concerning signs to those who would not yet believe his claims. But they understood the spiritual connection. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained, and many came to him, and they said, John did no sign. But everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. Those who would not believe, instead of trying to arrest him, they could have believed. They could have. Many others did. They should have known better, for they knew the truth of the spiritual dimension. But they were unwilling to believe, in spite of all the signs that Jesus came from there and at the Father's will. Jesus saw that they didn't pay proper attention to the signs. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for them on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Those were Jewish people who had the Bible. They should have known better. What about people who don't believe and don't have any understanding? Paul wrote, thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? It's a sign, he said to the Corinthian church. It's a sign you're nuts! <laughs> not exactly what we might think the response would be. It is fascinating, by the way, to work through the miracles in the book of Acts. You'll find that miracles done in front of Gentiles who had neither faith nor scripture were misunderstood. They didn't get it. One time Paul and Barnabas were called gods by the people who witnessed a miracle they had done. Obviously this distressed our brothers to no end. They had to work quite hard to stop these people from offering sacrifices to them. So, since they weren't gods, the crowd figured they must be fakes and tried to kill them. <laughs> Signs. You have to have the right foundation to understand them. 
And unless one understands the spiritual world and who Jesus is, these signs are pointless. You might get a Lazarus response. I might want to kill you. Maybe more disturbing than even that news is that signs will be used by evil ones at the end of the age. Jesus was speaking to his disciples regarding the last days and he said, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Well, wait a minute. The bad guys do miracles? Yeah, it's exactly what he said. Remember, demons live in the spiritual realm as well as angels, as well as God. Now, they are under God's control, yes, but apparently, for purposes he knows, he allows them to do some miracles at the end of time. And many will be led astray, he said, by their power. Just because it's a miracle doesn't mean it comes from God. So we must not jump up and down with excitement when someone says, here's a miracle, there's a miracle. We need to focus on the sign. It is the sign of all time that matters. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of the world, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ crucified, that shorthand way of saying the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. This is our focus. The power of God, the wisdom of God. Easter, He is risen. That's the sign. That's the sign. It is improper to demand the sign from God. <laughs> Miracles were a sign of Jesus' earthly ministry. Miracles were a sign of the apostles' ministry. Miraculous signs can be spiritually helpful if they have a proper origin, where are they coming from, and thus a proper purpose. They lift our spirits if they are properly understood. But they can be misunderstood and they can be used by the enemy. There is one sign that can't be used by the enemy. There's one sign on which we should be focused. One that we should present. One that proves he is not a lunatic. It proves he is not a liar. He is Lord of all creation. The one sign is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Weeping. Pleading to his Father, take this cup. Only, not as I will, but as you will.
His disciples, sleeping. As he prayed in such intensity that his sweat was red with blood. He could have left. It was possible. But he stayed. He stayed for Judas' kiss. He stayed as his apostles abandoned him. He was beaten. He cursed. He was placed on the cross. He died. But he rose to rescue those who were his enemies. True mercy. True love. This is love.